Thank you, Janelle and Elsa and choir for leading us in worship this morning. And good morning, church. And thanks to Pastor Bryce for surprising me earlier this winter and asking me to bring the message this morning. I'm glad to do it. I feel like it's an honor for us to get into the Word of God together, and that's what I'm going to be doing. So at some point here, I'm going to ask you to turn to your Bibles and chapter 9 of the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to continue our Mark study that we've been doing. But first, some prayer. Awake our souls, O God, to you in our midst, to life that is contained in your word, to the fact that you are with us in every unexpected moment. Be with me now as I bring your word. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. My favorite days in second grade were art days. The sight of construction paper and scissors, tempera paint canisters and paintbrushes, Pipe cleaners and macaroni pieces in wagon wheel shapes made my heart flutter. And not just me. Excited squeals would happen as we came in from the playground after recess and saw the tables set up for creation. Our teacher's voice was unmistakable with her first instruction. Boys and girls, your smocks are ready. Get them out. Put them on and then find a seat at one of the tables. We would scurry about, smock on, seat found, hopefully next to a friend, ready for the next instruction. What do you think we're making today, we would ask each other. There would be clues at the tables, of course, in terms of supplies, but we never quite knew how we would use the various things or exactly what we would be making. Sometimes it was hard to sit still, the excitement building and building as we waited to hear, but we knew our teacher would tell us step by step. We just had to listen, and at the end of the day, we would find ourselves taking home something very special. You might have some of those special things in your house right now. The thing about art days, though, was I was never really sure when they were going to happen. Classes were not so scheduled when I was a second grader. Or maybe I wasn't so aware that it was time to do this thing again. Each time, I really was surprised. And I think life is a bit like that, too. I have a calendar with many things written in it. But each day holds the possibility that something not on my calendar or in my awareness will happen. Things that are scheduled won't happen, and things I never even knew about will happen. I imagine that's true for you as well. And what do you do when the unexpected happens? When you wake up in the morning and the day takes a turn one way or the other, 
Do you receive it as a gift or an annoyance? A grace to receive or a problem quickly to solve so you can get on with the rest of your day, the day you planned. And do you call out to Jesus, maybe holding an awareness that God might be right in the midst of what's happening in that day, in the unexpected? Well, our Bible passage this morning talks about a day in the life of Peter, James, and John when something very unexpected happened. And maybe I should take a pause moment here just to acknowledge that there were many unexpected days in the life of Peter, James, and John. Can you imagine? They never knew what was going on. They witnessed many miracles and fed thousands of people with little notice. And Jesus was kind of unexpected as well. Where did he come from? What was he doing? How was he doing what he was doing? These questions were swirling about. We saw last week that Peter came to an awareness that Jesus was the Christ, but there was still so much to learn about what that meant, really. So this day, the subject of our passage this morning is a day in the life of Peter, James, and John when something very, very unexpected happened. More unexpected, I'm sure, than they could ever imagine. A vision that they would long remember. One that would impress on them who Jesus was and what they were to do next. So turn with me to Mark 9, and I'm going to read verses uh, 2 through 6 first. Mark 9, 2 through 6. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Uh, Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. He was so afraid. This passage of scripture begins a commonly termed event called the Transfiguration, which is also included in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, as well as in Second Peter, and some suggest a verse in John's Gospel as well. As you heard, it starts off with the three of them going up the mountain after six days, so on the seventh day. And that's a clue in Scripture that something special might be happening, because seven is a very important number to God. Jesus was a mountain person. For him, they were places of prayer and healing, revelation and commissioning. He liked to pray on mountains, to be alone and commune on mountains with God. For us who live in the shadow of Mount Tamalpais, this isn't really hard for us to understand how attractive that is, to get out of 
all that's going down up here, down here and going up to the mountain to be alone. But this day, Jesus decided to bring along three of his disciples that he was putting extra time into. And as Mark's gospel often does, it gets right to the point. Jesus is transfigured. Something has changed. Mark says his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Matthew's telling is a bit more descriptive. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Luke says it this way, The appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Jesus is shining right before them. I wonder what Peter, James, and John thought, if they had time or the wherewithal to think. What's happening? Didn't this happen to Moses? He had a radiant face. This light seems different from within rather than reflected. How, how is this happening? And what are you and I to make of this? Is this a time where the glory of Jesus Christ is breaking through? And they are seeing something of the glory to come. Without much time to come to any conclusion, Mark tells us that Moses and Elijah appear. Another surprise. These two Hebrew superheroes lived their earthly lives long, long ago, but they were still revered by the people in Jesus' time. A lot could be said about each man. But for our purposes today, let me just share that Moses was known as the great lawgiver, and Elijah was known as the greatest prophet ever for his Mount Carmel events. And here they are in splendor, according to Luke's gospel, talking to a shining Jesus. In this moment, Jesus seems to be bridging the realms of heaven and earth the temporal, and the eternal. I'm Irish. We think of the thin space. This seems like a very thin space. Rabbi teacher, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, says Peter, demonstrating a sign of respect, even if clearly missing the immenseness of the moment. I really feel for Peter. I love Peter. I'll just tell you that. I feel for him in this moment. Maybe you can too. Have you ever had this experience before when you unexpectedly encounter the holy and you don't quite know how to respond? It may be for a split second, a minute or more. It may look like a a quick breath taken in. Or your heart might start beating faster. A feeling of warmth or fullness might come over you. Goosebumps, tears. You may have a desire to kneel or to bow or to raise your hands, to say help or thank you. Or you may have no words at all. These holy moments are filled with God's presence. 
They are nothing you can plan or create as much as we would long to do that. They just happen. And not always as we would anticipate. We might think we have to be engaged in something spiritual, like praying or worshiping. And they can happen then. But they can just as easily happen in the ordinary activities of our day, such as going to work, driving in the car, being at school or on the field, around a table with friends, or on a walk, around a hospital bed, around the birth of a new baby. And when they do happen, how do you respond? How do I respond? Do we take that moment to stop and to savor the holy in that moment? It looks like Peter wanted to stay a while on the mountain, maybe have time to savor and take it all in. It was rarefied company indeed, and I can understand that. But there would be no tents, no hanging around on the mountain that day. God had a plan, but it wasn't that. God's eternal plan was in full swing and going forward toward Jerusalem, toward the cross, and toward Jesus' resurrection. Remember earlier I said that something very, very unexpected happened to Peter, James, and John. More unexpected, I'm sure, than they could ever imagine. A vision that would they would long remember and impress on them who Jesus really was and what they were to do next. Well, listen to Mark chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Well, our three are... Definitely not bystanders now observing from a distance. A cloud covers them all, the whole party. Jesus, Moses, Elijah, Peter, James, and John. And a message is directed at the disciples. The Father's voice, this is my Son, whom I love. Listen to him. Direct and to the point. How do we know this message is for the disciples? Well, Jesus already knew he was the son and loved. We are reminded of his baptism here. As did Moses and Elijah, the great prophets. They didn't need that message. But these three, three fishermen from Galilee who had left everything when Jesus called them, who had been with Jesus and would be with him as he turned his face toward Jerusalem to fulfill his ministry, they were the ones who needed to know that Jesus was not just teacher, not just prophet, but God's son. Really know it, deep down, as best they could. Not just them, we need to know that too, deep down, as best we can. And they needed to listen him. My translation has an exclamation point after that part, and maybe yours does too. 
You might remember from last week that Jesus was teaching hard things and things that were very difficult to comprehend about his coming death and resurrection, about denying himself, taking up crosses, losing our lives for the gospel. Peter tried to rebuke Jesus for saying he must be killed and would rise again in three days. And remember Jesus saying to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Definitely a tense and sobering moment there. Jesus needed his disciples to have in mind the things of God and not the things of men. And how would he help them do that? One week later, there is Peter with Jesus in the small party going up the Mount of Transfiguration. Aren't we glad that Jesus didn't give up on Peter because he got it wrong or didn't understand or didn't want to believe what could happen? We desperately don't want Jesus to give up on us when we get it wrong or don't understand, when we're not so forgiving or feel we failed again and again. Thankfully, Jesus is ready and willing to hang in there with us and step by step help us to move into greater freedom and awareness. And Jesus would bring Peter along in his understanding of who he was and what his mission was, just like he does with us. But Jesus needed Peter and the others to listen and to have the things of God in the forefront of their minds, not just what they thought should happen. This Transfiguration Day would bear fruit in the form of a new vision. No longer would the law and the prophets be the focus. Jesus would be. For as Matthew's Gospel tells us, Jesus was the fulfillment of the law and the fulfillment of the prophets. Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, but not as the Jews had thought Messiah would be. He was actually more, which is how God works. It's amazing. He was God's son who would sacrifice his life for the sins of the world, including ours if we believe. In Hebrews 3, 4 through 5, it says, quote, For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as son over God's house. Moses and Elijah were servants and faithful servants. But Jesus is God's son, and as such is over God's house. Jesus, the one remaining on the mountain with the disciples after the glorious vision had passed, was the one that they were to follow with a new awareness deep down of who he really was. And we can see in the next couple of verses that Peter, James, and John proved to be good students. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. You can see that they're listening. They found themselves not arguing anymore about whether this needed to happen, but discussing what it meant that it was going to happen they were beginning to grasp the new vision. And they followed his instructions. 
The transfiguration event would be included in the Gospels and Peter's second letter, but years after Jesus' resurrection. Peter would write, quote, We were witnesses of his, Jesus' majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And John states simply in his gospel, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Such beautiful words we can stand on. Just as I learned in second grade, listening to the teacher's voice is important, but listening is more than listening. It can also mean responding to what we have heard. When as school children we heard our teacher give us instructions on art day, the expectation was we would follow those instructions and something wonderful would be created. When Jesus speaks to his disciples, us included, His expectation is we will follow him. We hear Jesus' voice in John's gospel saying, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. As you know, we are in a season of seeking God's vision for Tiburon Baptist Church. How are we doing that? By prayer, conversations, more prayer, discernment, family meetings, and together listening to him as he leads us into our new vision. Will unexpected things happen? Most assuredly. Will we be uncomfortable not always knowing how something is going to work or work out? Yes. Will some things be an exciting surprise, a wonderful, exciting surprise? Yes, too, to that. And Christ is faithful as Son of God over God's house. And Tiburon Baptist Church is part of God's house. We can lean into this as we go through this process Seeking the things of God. Monday, tomorrow, is a day in the life of you when something unexpected may happen. Maybe something more unexpected than you can ever imagine. Will you notice it? Will you be open to seeing how God might surprise you? Will you be ready for your art day? Can you go to the mountain with Jesus and see what happens? Or maybe today you are hearing the voice of God and want to respond here and now. Jesus is waiting. Our pastors are waiting. Feel free to come up at the end of the service. If that voice is speaking to you today, Notice it and respond. I invite you to listen and follow the Son of God. Let's pray.
Dear Lord God, sometimes it's hard to thank you for the unexpected things, but in, in faith we do, knowing that you will be with us as we go throughout the days of our lives, that when good things and hard things come across our path, we may turn to you knowing that you are always with us, that our community is around us, that your Holy Spirit will guide us. Help us to be awake to you and sing your praises through all of our days. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.